This is Food First Michigan on News Talk 760 WJR. Sponsored by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food secure state, and by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome everyone. Thanks for listening. It was George Santanyana who reportedly said, to those who fail to understand history, they are condemned to repeat it. And modern self-help psychology teaches us to only look back to see how far we've come. I think both ideas have merit, and our guest today applied both concepts in her book, Reinventing Food Banks and Pantries, New Tools to End Hunger. Dr. Katie Martin is a fellow food banker, a PhD researcher, and a thought leader who is helping shape our network so we can better position ourselves to solve hunger by creating food security. Food security is a concept we can all get behind, but how do we accomplish it? What changes do we need to make to grow into the organization we need to be in order to meet the challenge? The devil is in the details, and so Katie Martin joins Jerry Brisson and me next for a spirited conversation on what to do, what do we hang on to, what do we cast off, in order to ensure no child, senior, or family lives under the toxic stress of being food insecure. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for listening, and welcome back to Food First Michigan. Jerry Brisson, excellent to see you as always, my friend. Yeah, I can see you're, you know, in that cabin up there, and I'm jealous, I have to say, Doctor. That I, I can't wait to have you in the studio so I can stop being jealous of these locations that you're coming from. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, on, I'm blessed. Let me just say it like that. I'm blessed. So, hey, Jerry, for enough about me and you, let's jump to our guests because we've been waiting for a long time to have Dr. Katie Martin on the show with us. Katie is the executive director of the Institute of Hunger Research and Solutions. I love that. At the Connecticut Food Bank, which is called Food Share. Katie, you are a thought leader, just like my co-host here, Jerry Brisson, and you guys together are helping to shape everything that food banks have been and what we need to become. And so uh, tell us a little bit about you and Jerry. Talk, talk to us about your relationship with Katie, and uh, let's just dive into the pool here and have a great conversation. Well, thank you so much, both of you, for you know inviting me, having me on your show. I'm thrilled to be here with you today. So you want just, me to just describe a little bit about my background? Yeah, tell yeah. us a little bit where how do you how you got to this place and this position of 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 influence. Yeah, so I'm a Midwesterner by um, upbringing. I grew up in Dayton, Ohio, and that's really where my interest in food insecurity started. I did an internship with my Congressman Tony Hall from Dayton, Ohio, and he has been a lifelong advocate for anti-hunger work domestically and internationally. And I chose my career path at that you know early age right out of college i interned for the food bank for new york city visited a lot of food pantries community kitchens in new york 
then spent time working in academia um, at the University of Connecticut and St. Joseph, always focused on the social injustice of hunger in our wealthy country of the United States of America. And um, spent a lot of time visiting food pantries and food banks and saw a lot of really wonderful, innovative, awesome things happening. But unfortunately, also seeing food pantries that look exactly like they did, you know, back in the early 90s when I first went to visit them in New York and realized that I wanted to share some of these innovative ideas and action steps that people could take to improve the way we tackle hunger. Hmm. So I'm guessing all that time spent in New York City that if I need some help riding the subways, you'd probably be able to do that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I almost rode every subway and bus line in the five boroughs of New York. <laughs> and that was in one summer. That's, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So, Katie, I, I think you're too humble, but that's all right. I'm going to help you with that right now. There are, there are only so many people who decide to, as Dr. Phil says, take their handful of life and apply everything they have to it to, to make a difference, right? To, to try to not just, you know, put one foot in front of the other, but try to see a mile ahead or two miles ahead and say, how do we change systems so that we're accomplishing more and better? And we talk about doing more and better on this show all the time. I think that, that your intelligence combined with the discipline you have around how to be really deliberate about this has driven so much success for you and your work and is so apparent in your book. And I'm going to say the name again, Reinventing Food Banks and Pantries. For people who listen to this show, if you're not a food banker or working in a pantry, believe me, you can learn about process by reading this book. You can learn a lot about how language influences the way we think. You can learn a lot about ha going from a scarcity mentality to an abundance mentality and how that influences how you envision what's possible, right? There's so much to really dig into here um, that's beyond even what food banks and pantries do. So, so let me just say, Katie, I think this is a phenomenal piece of work, but it doesn't come just from academia, right? It comes from all your years of feet on the ground and talking to crazy people like me and, and others in this work who, <laughs> and you really do take that all very seriously and are so deliberate about taking into account all the truths of what you see and then try to make it approachable. I love the action steps at the end of every chapter that say, just do this. So those of us that aren't patient enough to actually read anything, we can at least go right to the spot that says, do this. You don't have to know it. Just do this. So anyway, that probably doesn't describe nearly well enough the value of what you've done here. But I just want to say thank you. We've been on a couple of committees together. Uh, let me just say to our listeners, if you've ever read every nutrition label in your life to try to understand what's really in something after about a month of that it's like oh oh is there any way to sort this out in some comprehensive way and we work together on creating a tool for food banks to to value their nutritional work and to really make more sense of what are people getting from us so that we can improve the health of the community not just you know help out in a in a 
in a moment of crisis, right? So that's just some of the stuff I could go on and on and on, but I, I know people are tired of listening to me already. So, so Katie, why don't you talk a little bit about your inspiration? You know, what, what was it that made you say, now is the time? You know what? I really believe now is the time. Well, you're so flattering. I appreciate all your kind words and thank you. Um, so, you know, it, it's interesting. One of the themes that I write throughout the book is that we in the charitable food system are doing good work, but we can do better, right? It's acknowledging there's so much good happening, but really challenging, nudging, pushing people to dream bigger, aim higher than we have. And that comes from a lot of that real world experience. I love um, visiting food pantries, talking with people who are shopping at a food pantry to understand their experience with food insecurity, what dreams, what challenges they have with the notion of, okay, what types of programs might make this better, easier for them and their family? How do we evaluate that to make sure that this program works? How do we then share that information? I have always been intrigued by this, the system that we've created in our country that is in nearly every community around the United States of America, that there is a food pantry serving almost every community, and there is certainly a regional food bank that is serving every community in the U.S., yet they're all doing things their own way, and how do we learn from one another? How do we aim bigger, dream bigger than we have? That was a lot of my motivation. Part of it also was I had thought about the idea of writing a book, and I was approaching 50, and there's something about that, you know, like those kind of arbitrary milestones of like, okay, now's the time. I, I got to get really serious about this to write the book. <laughs> and I can't tell you how amazing it is. Like, just, I didn't know how long it would take me to write. I didn't know how tricky it would be to get a publisher. A lot of that came fairly seamlessly, quite honestly. I finished the book um, last summer during COVID and didn't know how long it would take before it was published and it came out this March and I honestly feel like this is exactly the right time that all of us have had to get out of our comfort zones. We can no longer say this is how we've always done it, that people are more ready to hear and think about change and gosh did we learn a lot this past year of how much this is needed. So that was a lot of my motivation and then the serendipity of things happening when they're meant to. She's Katie Martin. She's the executive director of the Institute for Hunger Research and Solutions at the Connecticut Food Bank. She's also the author of Reinventing Food Banks and Pantries, New Tools to End Hunger. She's our guest today. Jerry, Katie, and me, we're all back in just a moment. Contact the Food Bank Council of Michigan at fbcmich.org. Now back to more Food First Michigan with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome back, everyone. We're here, Jerry Brisson, our guest, Katie Martin. Dr. Katie Martin, the Executive Director for the Institute of Hunger Research and Solutions at the Connecticut Food Bank and the author of the book we're talking about that you can get at Amazon or your favorite bookstore. Reinventing Food Banks and Pantries, New Tools to End Hunger. So Katie, let me, let me give you a quote and get your response to it. And uh, I don't have to worry about Jerry because I know he's going to dive in right here as well. 
I think one of the things that comes across in the book for me is um, the seven last words of a dying organization. And those words are, we've never done it that way before. And your call for change, to be better, to build on what we've had in the past, to honor that, and I think that's certainly the right approach, but to be more and to be better because the people we serve and the communities we serve need us to. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that's where it's also so important to, to learn from history, but also to use new evidence, data, information to inform our future. So Jerry was describing the work that we did serving on this uh, nutrition committee, which was so important. And when you think of how food banks started when I got involved in anti-hunger work, I would say to folks, I'm not worried about really what people are eating. I want to make sure people have enough to eat. It was really about the quantity of the food. But that's before we had an obesity epidemic. That was before Mm -hmm. we had really clear, obvious information that the people we serve who are struggling with food insecurity are at really high risk for food-related diseases. So we need to use that information to inform the work that we do so that we make sure that the food that we're providing as charity is highly nutritious and is going to improve their health and not hurt their health. And that's just one example of how we can how we can do better, that we need to adjust with the times, we need to be evolving in our work. You know, I, I want to put a, a little sound bite in here too about how that comes about and, and all the things that, that you have to think about when you start to try to make change if you want to be a sensitive, caring person, right? So so the information is clear and it's stark. And as I've said to, to Dr. Phil before, you know, when I go to see my doctor and they say, you need to exercise and lose weight, I tell them, well, you might as well, me to, you might as well tell me to grow wings and fly to work because it's likely to have about the same result, right? <laughs> so, so obviously these are hard things for people to do, right? And so we're walking with people on this journey and we're, we're not approaching it from the standpoint of this is what you have to do. But what we're saying is, you know what? We know some things and together we all agree this is something that, that we should be working on with each other and, and, and going through a process of really talking about and, and learning about and growing together as we understand that the food we eat has a significant impact, not just on our health, but on how much time we lose from work how much money it costs every month to, to, to just survive, right? And so the people we serve who, who have to make really hard decisions about what they spend money on every month, where their health is has a significant impact on what happens to their life and how much money they have to spend on anything. So as we're going through this nutrition work, we're also thinking about you know, when a, when a mom picks up a couple two liters of Coke and her family is happy because they haven't had that in a long time, that is not a terrible thing, right? But you can't just live in that space of we were happy for this minute. You have to live in these bigger spaces where there's a lot more things going on. So developing the toolkits around change is so important for us all. Not everyone has to go through months of looking at nutrition labels to know what to do. <laughs> Well, the organizational change is huge, and I, I have a section on that at the end of my book because you know I'm, I'm advocating for change throughout the book and providing action steps, 
nudging people, encouraging people to make changes, but I know how hard that is. And especially in organizations that it's easy to get stuck in our ways and say, this is how we've always done things, right? And I, I love that quote, Dr. Phil, of, you know, that is the true sign of an organization. If you can't make changes, you know, at some point you're gonna struggle. Well, let me give you another quote, then piggybacks right alongside of that and get both of you to react. I think we all know what the definition of insanity is. You know, we continue to do the same thing and expect different results. And, you know, uh, when food banking started, 60s, 70s, and 80s, uh, you know, a calorie was a calorie. And, um, you know, there were certain ways to do this work that doesn't work, is not as effective as it was then, now. And so I think that, that you know, coupling the seven last words of an organization that's not progressing, we've never done it this way before, along with the definition of insanity, we can't keep doing the same things and think that, that we're going to get different results. Now, I've been, I work with food bankers. That's my whole job. They're, they're all a bit crazy to do this work. And it, it's what makes it fun, and it's what makes them who they are and, and, and have so much impact. But none of them are insane. None of them want to invest that handful of life they have in something that really is not going to make a difference. And so I think embracing this opportunity to grow, evolve, and change, and certainly you guys both touched on it, this last year taught us more about ourselves and what we're capable of during the pandemic than any other circumstances that we probably could have encountered at this time. So let me step yeah. back and get your reaction, Katie. I, I love this dialogue because you're right. Like we do know that the quote about uh, insanity, doing the same thing over again, expecting different results, you know, it makes me think of our emphasis on distributing more food to more people every year. I think that's been kind of our mantra. If we just get more food and we provide more food to more people, and that's our measure of success. That's how we define our work and our success typically. And one of the key frameworks that I've been involved with in the last several years is kind of flipping that upside down to say, it takes more than food to end hunger. And I think it depends on how we, how we define a problem. If we mm -hmm. define the problem as there isn't enough food, then it's not crazy to just focus on getting more food, distributing more food. If, on the other hand, we recognize, like most of us, I think, have starkly recognized this past year, gosh, it's about low wages. It's about you know lack of access to other social safety nets and, and other things that how many people were living one paycheck, two paychecks away from needing a food pantry and then all of a sudden their job was cut from underneath them, mm -hmm. then our solutions become more complex and the need to collaborate with other community organizations becomes more necessary. So it's not insane to distribute healthy food at all. And I, I think we're gonna be continuing to do this and people need us to do that. But we also have to recognize that it takes more than just food to end hunger. Yeah, I, I love that perspective. And the, I kind of think of it, if you take a sentence and you just grow it a little bit, it, it, it becomes obvious to me. So you start with the premise, well, this made a difference. 
But if you change that with just one word and you say, did this make a difference? Mm -hmm. And then you add another word. How did this make a difference? And then you add just one more word. How much did this make a difference? Mm -hmm. And now you're starting down the path of a good place. This made a difference. Right? This made a difference. But we're going to grow that just a little bit. Did it make a difference? How did it make a difference? And how much did it make a difference? And you can start to have an honest dialogue about impact. And we know that it's different for different people. For some people, man, this is what they needed. They're moving on. They came, they got help, and they're moving on. And for other people, the complexity of their life is such that, you know what? It, if you ask them how much did this make a difference, it might not be very much. And so you can't have the same answer for every single person, right? And, and so how do you make systems where there's so many exceptions? That's the work, right? But I think, it's, it, I think again, a, a beautiful thing about the book, and I'm going to keep coming back to it, so hopefully you'll get 10,000 book sales after this show or people that will get the podcast because I think this is a really important information to understand the process and dynamics of the work that we do. And, um, and so moving this forward to taking a step. In fact, your last, right at the conclusion, the name of the conclusion is Take One Step. Take hmm. one step. And and that I hope that, you know, just talking about the 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 how to make a difference and how much to make a difference, taking one step, it is it's a process that will take time, but if we keep taking one step, we'll get there. We'll get there one step at a time, and that's a great perspective in my opinion. Well let's uh let's take one step toward a break here and then we'll come back with Katie Martin, our guest, Jerry Brisson, me, Dr. Phil Knight. We're here, or all three back, come back and join us. First, Michigan. Once again, here's Phil and Jerry. We're back, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Katie Martin is here with us, and Jerry Brisson, myself, Dr. Phil Knight. Katie, here's another quote for you to so we can just dive into this conversation. Um, I think it was Albert Einstein that said, We can't solve problems by using the same kind of thinking we used when we created them. And so, you know, we have to think different. And you're challenging us to do that in reinventing food banks. Now, I want, to, I want to make it duly noted here that I have put my money where my mouth is, and I hired Dr. Dawn Opal as our general counsel and as our director for research and strategic initiatives. And she's read your book, and she's been a guest on our show, and, and we stole her from Michigan State University. But anyway, we're, we're putting our money where our mouth is we're investing in reinventing food banks and pantries new tools to end hunger and I, I just want you to know that your influence is is wide and it's deep and I don't know that any leader could ask for anything more uh, um, I, I really appreciate that that was really really my my hope my goal my prayer in this is um, that it would it would have that kind of impact that I've I don't know that people recognize how broad our network is of food banks and food pantries around the country and that so many people are involved in this system and yet we don't necessarily always understand the history of how we got here. We don't always appreciate and understand 
like best practices that should be replicated because if you've seen one food pantry, you've seen one food pantry, that there are many different things that we can learn. And that's where, you know, I tried to make it very tangible of action steps that you could take in your community today. And my main audience is folks that work and volunteer in food banks or food pantries, but it's also for academic partners. It is for policymakers. It is for other community advocates that are also tackling the issue of food insecurity. How do we work more together and understanding the challenges and the um, steps that we can take moving forward to reinvent the way that we provide charitable food? So I'm looking at the 245th glorious page and here's what it says here's what it says i hope you feel inspired and motivated to move from emergency to empowerment from scarcity to abundance from sympathy to empathy from pounds to nutritional quality from embarrassment to engagement from communication to collaboration from outputs to outcomes, from short-term band-aid to stability and self-sufficiency, from transaction to transformation, I think that captures so well the process that you take us through in the book. You know, it's it's really concrete. It's 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 spelled out in in very readable ways, and and quite frankly, if you don't get some goosebumps thinking about mm-hmm. going from and to those places, well, then listen to the show again. You'll get goosebumps the second time around. That's what I say. Well, that's true. That's true. You know, there's a lot here, guys, uh, Katie, Jerry, that that are values for us. And, you know, I, I know organizations only really have one or f- like four to six non-negotiables that make up who they are. But, you know, I'm happy that in Michigan, there's a lot of this that are that is listed here on page 245, um, emergency to empowerment. We talk about that. We talk about that. This is the impact the food has. It empowers people. It brings stability to them. It brings better health, uh, you know, for, through nutrition. And it has economic value. That's the household impact model that Jerry and him have created at Gleaners that we're talking about here. So I'm, I'm I guess I shouldn't say talking. I should say we're really trying to embrace and make it a non-negotiable so that we understand what the impact of the food the work that we do, what it really means for the household. And maybe I'll just layer in one additional one as inspiration for you and your listeners is moving from efficiency to effectiveness. So we all want to be efficient in our lives, right? It's a good value set to have. But I think the challenge is when our focus on efficiency is part of that just moving food as quickly as possible to as many people as possible we lose that the relationship we lose the time to understand what are the other challenges that are going on in a person's life did is this the type of food that they actually want and need in their household and to your point jerry how much difference like okay we know we're making an impact but how are we and how much are we are we really in that efficiency are we effective and our approach to increasing food security, stability, and self-sufficiency for a family, right? So especially during this pandemic, I think we've 
focused a lot on being efficient because there are lines of people and we just need to move food really fast. And I hope that we can take a breath to say, in that movement of moving food, are we effective in the goals that we really want to achieve? Well, I, I edited you like your that. book. I edited <laughs> your book. I, 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 I added that to the list on page 245. So... Excellent. So I, I want I want a, a cascading, um, a cascading process here of okay, one to do. If there's one to do, what's the one to do? And I'll start to give you a minute to think. The there's a there's a um, a paradigm shift in how we talk about hunger is one of the chapters, and and one of the to dos that I think are really important is to be very conscientious of the language we're using. Just be very conscientious because the language we use dictates how we think. And I want to give an example. You know, when we talk about feeding hungry people, there's nothing wrong with that. But what we really want to do is ensure that everyone has access to enough food. And by talk, by changing our language from the focus on hungry people and maybe even a little bit of a oh, maybe it's their fault kind of language to ensure everyone has access to enough food. Now we're talking about how there's systems involved here. And if we give everyone access to enough food, it's a much more dignified way of thinking about our work. It also challenges us to go beyond the person and into the systems that affect people's lives. So that's, to me, the biggest to do in the book is it maybe, the, or at least one of the biggest, or the one that came to mind as I was reading through it was, how do we use language that better describes what it is we're trying to do? So now for you, Katie, what's, what's the one for you? Oh, gosh. Well, I think that's, that's super important. I'll build on that. Um, because I honestly, I think there, it depends on where folks are coming from. And I advocate for taking one step that is right for you. I think that getting away from the emergency language that we use could really transform the work that we do when we're focused on, it's just shocking to me how we continue to call this work emergency food provision when we've been doing it for decades. And very often we're serving the same families month after month. We all know this. I, I just don't understand how that's an emergency. but. The challenge is, and you could say, well, there's nothing wrong with that. What makes it, the, the disadvantage of that is it keeps us in this mentality of just, we just need to provide food. We're just getting food for people short term. We're not taking that step back to say, what are the other systems involved? What are the other reasons why people are coming here? How do we address those root causes rather than the short term band-aids? So if we can get away from the emergency language, I think that would help a ton. She's Katie Martin. She is the executive director for the Institute of Hunger Research and Solutions and the author of Reinventing Food Banks and Pantries. She's been our guest today. Katie, we hope you'll come back. We hope we didn't scare you off too much today because we'd like to have you back to delve into the book and the progress we're making across the nation to implement some of these positive changes that you're calling for. I can't wait to see the transformations you all make and it would be my pleasure to come back. Excellent. Jerry and I are back in just a moment to wrap up this edition of Food First Michigan.
Thanks for listening, everyone. It's Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight here to wrap up this edition of our show with Katie Martin, Dr. Katie Martin. Uh, Jerry, we've talked about the book the entire show. You can buy the book. Um, uh, you already bought the book. I bought the book. I, I bought mine on Amazon. I'm not sure where you bought yours, but uh, it is it is it is an excellent read. And let me just say, you don't have to be a food banker if you're concerned about people who don't have enough access to food and certainly the right kinds of food. This book is inspiring. Yeah, and it really reads well. It flows well. She did a really nice job. It's even pretty easy to scan through topic by topic. You don't have to read it cover to cover. And so I think there's a lot of good information in there. Uh, I thought it was really well constructed. And again, as someone who's in the business, obviously, um, there's some things I can I can take a little for granted. But but nonetheless, it's it's a it's a worthwhile book. Reinventing food banks and pantries: New Tools to End Hunger by Katie S. Martin, M A R T I N. And if you Google it, you'll have lots of options to uh, to consider if you want to purchase it. Uh, but I just want to say, having worked with Katie for several years, she really is just a delight in this work. She's been around it for a long time. It really has been a life passion, and you know, it 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 comes out, you know, just on uh, whether and and I'm. Telling telling you the nutrition work was really grueling and detailed but you know Katie and the others on that commission all uh, come from a perspective of how do we make a difference in people's lives and that is really what we're all about is you know making sure that what we do matters and knowing how much it matters understanding the systems that need to improve to do even more and better. We started the show with that idea, and I want to, you know, before we leave the show, say it again, that we know it's not just more and more. It's more and better. And you you only know what's more and better if you understand the people who you're trying to help. And so the book has a lot of concrete suggestions for how to go about that, and I think she's done a really, really nice job. So there are some things, Jerry, that we are that we have talked about on the show for a number of years, actually, and and are are easily picked out in this book. And and I'm going to do one of those. One is the paradigm shift in how we talk about hunger. Um, I I think that that is something that we said when we started this show. We wanted to change the conversation about what and how people think regarding food security. Um, are their hungry neighbor, or do they even know they have hungry neighbors? And so I think this whole shift about, um, I, I, you, don't, you don't have to be in this conversation very long till you recognize that shame is a powerful inhibitor for people getting help when they, when they become, they and their family become food insecure. So changing how we think, changing how we talk, changes the tone it changes the conversation and i think can lead us to places that we never really would have otherwise thought about well just think of the things that we've recognized pretty clearly on the show i'll name one and that's the benefits cliff so the benefits cliff just to repeat what that is it's after you make more than eleven dollars and fifty cents an hour or something like that until you make almost sixteen dollars an hour you actually lose money in household revenue because of the benefits that fall off before the money catches up, right? And so there's this huge gap that disincentivizes work. Now, if all we thought about was how much food did somebody get from us, 
that would go right by us and we'd never know it was even there. And we wouldn't understand that we have a systemic issue that needs to be solved if we want to really address what people are living through. So the benefits cliff is one of the things that we can make a difference on that's not just about the food we distribute, but that deeply impacts the lives of the people that we serve. Uh, by the way, many of which who are employed, right? So yeah. so you're right, doctor. I, I think that, that, you know, broadening the conversation to beyond, even, I, I got to name one more, to have a prescription that says take with food and having no food at home, that can't work. That can't work. We know that food has to be part of the treatment plan, particularly for people with diabetes and, and chronic illnesses where food is so... Uh, play such a big role in the management of that uh, of their life, right? And uh, and of managing diabetes. So fundamentally, we can't think in a in a small way about what we're trying to solve. But here's the good news: if we solve those problems, things actually go down in cost. People have better lives. I mean, it's more and better, not just more and more. That's great, Jerry. Love it. Nice rant. <laughs> Time for a little food for thought. Scott Bigot, the CEO of Michigan Farm Bureau, shared with me a thought that I found intriguing and wise. People don't fear change, he said. They fear loss. And perhaps this is what holds organizations and people in general back from believing they are capable of being more. More of what is needed by the families we serve, more of what the community needs for us to become, and more of what we are truly capable of accomplishing, both individually and organizationally. It was Edmund Burke who said, the greatest mistake anyone ever makes is when they choose to do nothing because they only think they can do a little. Well, we can do a lot, and together, both of us, all of us, can keep food first, folks. Food first. Food First Michigan, presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.